Sometimes we have to pass through the dark to appreciate the light. Welcome to An Apple a Day, a podcast, a resource, a community. Share your experiences and learn from others as we overcome barriers and learn to live a happy, healthy life with a disability. Welcome to the community. Here's your host, Jimmy Apple. Welcome to another episode of An Apple a Day. I'm your host, Jimmy Apple. How are you feeling today, my friend? You're feeling good? You're feeling strong? You're feeling better than you did yesterday? Excellent. You can't ask for better than that. Hey, I hope you're bundling up. The weather is really changing, especially here. Boy, it's like we skipped fall and went straight from summer to winter. And we didn't have that great of a summer, I'll tell you that. But anyhow, we're here. We're in the holiday season. Of course, we're going to have snow. It snowed here this morning. It's ridiculous. But we're here and we're getting better. We're getting healthy. We're staying the same. As long as we're not getting worse, that's the important thing. Hey, I want to remind you before we start, an apple a day is brought to you by www.famousapple.com. Famousapple.com is the home site for this podcast. So if you get a minute, check it out. And while you're tripping around the web, make sure you stop by our group page, Living with a Disability. You can get there by going to famousapple.com forward slash group. That's famousapple.com forward slash group. There's a lot of nice people over there, a lot of conversations going on, people making friends, asking questions, answering questions. Go over there, check it out. And one more thing I want to remind you of, Famous Apple now has a gift shop. That's right. You got merchandise in there from the podcast. You got other other gifts going on, t-shirts, coffee mugs, sweatshirts, you name it, they have it. So if you get a minute, go over there and check that out while you're tripping around the web. It's famousapple.com forward slash gift shop. You won't be sorry. The prices are good. Merchandise is great. I got a couple of shirts myself. I enjoy them. So go over there, check it out. We have got a good one for you today. Now, if you heard the apple slice during the week, we have Eric Oberto. He's an actor. He's a singer. He's a songwriter. He's a director. He's a movie producer. He's one of the hardest working men in show business. And you're saying, well, I don't think I heard of Eric Oberto. Well, let me let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of Amityville? You know, the Amityville Horror, Amityville Horror 2. Have you ever heard of Ed and Lorraine Warren? They were the ghost hunters that went there after Ronald DeFeo killed his, fa- his whole family in Amityville, Long Island. Well, I'm sure you heard of it. I'm sure you've seen the movies. Maybe you read the books. Maybe you lived through it. When I was when I was a kid, I lived through it. I went out and I seen the house out, out in Amityville. But there's a new chapter for Amityville. It's called the Amityville Cult. And Eric Alberto not only stars in it, he wrote a song that's in the movie. So we have Eric here with us today. And I'm not going to do a whole lot of fluff because I do have David, my, my man David from Mars. He's got a little tidbit about Eric that he's going to share with us. So stand by, sit back for a minute. I want to put David on and he's going to give you some information about Eric before we go over to the interview. So sit back for a moment and listen to this. Who is Eric Oberto? 
Eric has a condition called synesthesia, a neurological condition that enables him to see sound as three-dimensional colors and shapes, as he hears it. Eric credits synesthesia as the reason he's able to write complete music without any formal musical training. In his own words he said, I just paint moving three-dimensional musical pictures, with the color palette that the sounds provide. I don't question where it comes from or how it works, I just use what my brain is making available to me. Eric made his first thunderous splash into the entertainment industry as the singer, songwriter, and frontman of the popular synthcore band Tungsten Coil. Hailing from Detroit, Michigan, the band was formed in 1994 and immediately shook up the Detroit industrial, goth music scene. The band played several live shows and events, which gained them a solid Detroit fanbase. Tungsten Coil was featured in numerous music compilations, released multiple eps, and released two full-length albums, Reactive and Alpha and Omega. The band went through multiple member changes in their lineup, with Eric Oberto being the only consistent member. The sound and style of their music evolved over the years from experimental industrial goth to a more polished industrial, metal formula. The band continued its musical assault into the late 2000s. Along the way they were nominated for and won multiple awards, including an Austin Music Award for Best Industrial Band. Their final performance was a showcase at Elysium in 2008, where they shared the stage with goth legend, Peter Murphy of Bauhaus. After Eric decided to put Tungsten Coil on hiatus, he took an extended break from the entertainment industry and launched a successful career in the financial industry. His path eventually led to an entrepreneurial career move to fund, launch and co-found his own financial company. After several years of success in the financial industry, he decided to sell the company to his business partner and focus his passion back to his first true love. Music. During the financial industry period, Eric suffered a tremendous blow to his musical abilities in 2015. He was inflicted with sudden sensory neural hearing loss in his right ear. Being a play-by-ear musician and songwriter, when his right ear malfunctioned his ability to clearly paint musical pictures through synesthesia was severely impaired and almost lost. Over the next several years, he made multiple unsuccessful attempts to overcome his disability and feared that his songwriting days were over. He then became obsessed with finding a solution to overcome his handicap. In 2021, he finally found a path to create music using his one good ear and filled in the gaps of the broken ear by making use of modern computer software tools. These tools allow him to visually identify frequencies that he can no longer hear, and he is now able to visually see the stereo field where sounds reside. He also discovered a device that allows him to independently equalize the left and right sides of his headphones. This device gives him the ability to boost all the lost hearing frequencies in the right ear, to fill in the missing gaps. The right ear is broken, completely distorted, and plagued with massive tinnitus. However, by amplifying all the frequencies independently, it tricks his brain into thinking that the correct hearing information is being received, even though it isn't. The end result is that it allows his synesthesia to kick back in somewhat, and he uses his previous songwriting experiences to fill in the gaps. These amazing tools do not make him whole again, but they do provide a new path forward to pursue his musical dreams. Now, against all odds, Eric is writing the best music of his career. This hearing loss handicap has pushed him to continually prove to himself that he can create art no matter what obstacles get in his way. His reignited passion has opened several other doors to utilize his talents. He is now also involved in the film industry in several different forms, 
writing soundtracks, composing scores, acting, producing, directing, and editing. Eric's new song Darkness Never Lies is featured in the motion picture Amityville Cult. His debut as a director and editor are spotlighted in his music video for Darkness Never Lies, which is a bonus feature on the Amityville Cult DVD, Blu-ray National Walmart release from November 16th of this year. Darkness Never Lies is now available on all the major streaming platforms and Bandcamp.com. The music video is available on YouTube. In addition, a remix by Cleopatra Records artist Eric Gustafson of Adoration Destroyed will be released soon. According to Eric, I'm just getting started, you ain't seen nothing yet. Let me turn this back over to Jimmy so he can introduce you to one of the hardest working men in show business, Eric Oberto. Thanks, David. Hey, sit back, relax. Without any further delay, I want to introduce you to Eric. You're going to really enjoy this. Okay, we're here with Eric Oberto. For those of you who don't know who Eric Oberto is, how many here? Now raise your hand if you've ever heard of Amityville. Oh, see, there's a lot of you out there that have heard of Amityville. Well, you're going to hear about it again. It's called the Amityville Cult. And Eric is part of the Amityville Cult. And so is his music. Eric is a director, a producer, a composer, a singer. He's done it all. But I'm going to let him tell you about it. Hello, Eric, and how are you today? Hello. I'm doing great. It's a fabulous day here in Dallas, Texas. We've got some cold weather finally, so that makes me happy. Most people around here don't like that, but I'm happy, so it's a great day. I was going to say, if you want cold weather, you can come to New York. Huh? We have plenty of it right now. <laughs> It's all yours. I'll take you up on that. I'll drop in for a visit. <laughs> Come on in. So tell us about this new movie. It just came out November 16th, right? Amityville the Cult. Mm -hmm. Amityville Cult. Yep, that's when it started on streaming and uh, Amazon Prime. It was in November 16th. And now in this, you're a producer, you're a singer, you're an actor. You're a little bit of everything in that. That's true. Yeah, I kind of um, I came in originally uh, as an actor, and the the funny part is, so uh, Chance Gibbs, he's like the, who plays Stan DeFeo in the film. Um, I had met him in a bar, like things go, and had a good conversation. And I said, if you ever need any uh, music in one of your horror films, let me know. And I didn't hear from him for like months, and so I figured I wouldn't hear from him. And one day I get a call. He's like, hey, remember me? I'm like, yeah, what's going on? He's like, hey, I know we talked about uh, soundtracks and stuff, but uh, you act as well, right? You're an actor? I said, absolutely. Of course <laughs> I am. Yeah, I love acting for sure. And so he said, don't take this the wrong way, but I think you would make the perfect demon for my film. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, is that the first time I've heard that? Okay, yeah, tell me more. And that, that's how it all started was by him uh, after we had drinks, remembering my look and uh, wanting me to be a demon in his film. Well, I tell you what, you do make the perfect demon. <laughs> I, I, I swear, That's what he said. <laughs> I swear you look like a vampire <laughs> between the glasses you know, and the suit jacket. Well, what's funny is uh, um, a lot of people say that, I, uh, you know, you, you're aging so well. How are you doing that? You know, and I, it's all lifestyle stuff, but I was just telling them, well, I'm a vampire. 
I don't age. That's, that's how it is. And I believe you. <laughs> I truly believe you. And they have to see, they have to hear your song, Darkness Never Lies, but they have to see your video. Because, to be honest with you, don't watch it at night by yourself. <laughs> that is a weird yeah. video, but a great song. Yeah. Well, you know, that video was my first, that's my directing uh, debut, that's my editing debut, uh, and my wife, uh, Tammy Oberto, she uh, also did the editing with me, and neither of us had any experience in that, uh, I just, I felt like I could do it, you know, for better or for worse, so we spent a lot of time learning, I uh, did that one on DaVinci Resolve, which is a great program, spent about three months on it, and so much editing and, and color work and uh, it was sort of the idea of uh, a color exhaustion experiment to kind of get people uh, inside my head with what maybe a small view of what it's like to have synesthesia and then I used all the color exhaustion different shades to represent all the different colors of the human condition of emotions well with fear you succeeded both you and your wife succeeded <laughs> I tell you because it, it, it this first of all I don't know if you planned on this because the volume was a little bit low in the beginning and you're listening to it, but as you're listening to it, you're staring at it and it all mm -hmm. just draws you right in. And by the time so, the song is over, you're like exhausted and it's a good exhaustion. See, that's, that's the whole idea. So, so when you're hearing that song, so there's actually six different vocal tracks going on in the beginning, but I've, the one you hear the most is kind of this, combination of a distorted monotone voice and a whisper and then that computer sounding voice you're hearing is a vocoder and the whole idea is you're, you're seeing that my face up close you're seeing one side of it another side of it and all the colors are changing that represents the voice inside of us so it wasn't meant to be sung really loudly it meant to be this quiet voice like the voice inside your head telling you things telling you to be afraid telling you the voice that controls you so it's funny you mentioned that because it's exactly what I'm, I guess it worked because it's exactly what I went for. And then it gets bigger and bigger as the song develops, but it, it was meant to be like a, a creepy whisper. It, 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 and it, you succeeded because it draws you right <laughs> in, I'm telling you. And it's weird because I sat here and no word of lie, I swear to God, I, the first night that I received the video, I must have watched it four or five times. And it just wow. draws you right in. This is a video that you have to see. If you don't see anything else, you have to see the video for Darkness Never Lies. It's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's, it, believe me, it, I love stuff like that. I really do. I'm, I'm super proud of it. You know, like you should to, be. To, to, hit, to hit that well on your first song and video, you know, song as a solo performer, video is first video I've ever touched in my life and directing it and, and starring in it. It was quite a, a lot to take on, but to have it come out this way, you know, it's like a proud father, proud, proud, <laughs> proud parent. It's, <laughs> name it after yourself. It's, it's great. That is a, that is a great video. That, that truly is. That's something that, I don't know. It just, like I said, it drew me in. And now I wow. pass that off to other people and I get the same reaction from them. And they're like, wow. this is cool. And they're saying, Eric Oberto. I said, you've heard of him. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> well, they know who you are now. I'll tell you that. And now you have another. Well, Go ahead. I was going to say, the, the, the pronunciation for my name is uh, 
I think of Italian. It's Oberto, like oh my goodness, like there's a bear in your big toe. Oberto. 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 Either that or pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now you have another movie coming out. It's uh in Jan well, it's it's being worked on in January, I guess. Red River Expressway Killer. Yeah, so the Red River Expressway Killer um, is is still in pre-production and in the fundraising stage, trying to take it to a, a larger level and applying for grants and stuff like that. Uh, so that one, uh, I'm actually in, in a producer role, and then I'll be doing a song for that. I was going to be doing a lead acting role in it, but decided to go a different way with some of the other stuff I'm working on that we can talk about. Um, but I still did stay in a, as a producer, and uh, that film is going to be filmed in Texas and Oklahoma, and it's a really cool story, and I think it's going to be a great product. And so I've got to write a song uh, from scratch on that one, but I'm waiting for uh, more of the filming to start happening right. so that way I can see some more of it and kind of dial in to the vibe of what they have going on. So my role is more secondary now on that one, but uh, I'm still involved. Okay, and now the other movie that you were talking about, um, Malibu. Yeah, Malibu Horror Story. Um, yeah, this is a Sunny Oak Films. Uh, Dustin Harris uh, out of L.A. is the uh, executive producer on there. Um, this is a killer story. Uh, I've had uh, three opportunities to uh, do a private uh, screening here in Dallas with a, a hand-picked audience to get reaction and stuff and this film is cool and right now it's got it's been doing a film festival run and it keeps winning first place in a bunch of different high-profile horror festivals and they're in the they decided they're going to stay independent with it and release it in theaters so well it it's one of those films that it's kind of like you know like the Blair Witch Project took off you uh -huh. know without a lot of money this is 10 times better than a film like that, better than a paranormal activity. Uh, it's so cool that I actually got involved as a, a executive producer on this one. I actually financially got involved because I like it and believe in it that much. So to, to like it that much and be able to have a song in it as well that's going to run the entire credit scroll of the film is awesome. And Dustin Harris is a guy I met back in... 1998 in Hollywood, California, I, I was working at a blockbuster video, <laughs> Hollywood <laughs> Way in Verdugo, and he was one of my employees, and we only hung out for like a month before I left L.A., and uh, we just stayed in touch, and he, he's really done well. He was an actor, turned into producer, and this film is going to be his big achievement to break through the main, the big screen, and uh, I'm so excited for him. So excited to be a part of it. And, and the song I wrote for it is called Closer Than Ever Before, uh, which is going to release probably in January, maybe February, uh, well before the film. And then when the film releases, we're going to do another. I just did a music video shoot for Closer Than Ever Before about a weekend ago, two weekends ago. And that's going to be released with the new song. And then when the movie comes out, we're going to go back and, and recut the video with scenes from the movie as well. So it's going to get a, a, a long promotional run uh, as my song, my video, and then it's going to get another promotional run in the fall of next year. Uh, and I'm real excited about this song. Closer Than Ever Before is a, it's a really cool song. 
And when are they looking? When are they looking to release the uh, the movie? Probably in the fall of uh, next year. So right now, there there's kind of a, a bidding war going on for who's going to uh, be the final uh, contributors financially for the uh, marketing campaign. So they're 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 doing the the uh, festival run right now, and the offers are starting to pop in like they wanted. And it probably ends up being around you know four to five million dollar budget film when all Excellent. is said and done, which is which is nine hundred and ninety nine percent more money than Amityville called head. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's a step up for me as well. <laughs> That's excellent. That I, I'm I'm yeah. I'm so happy for you. I mean you're you're on that spiral up right now. Now I, I I'm climbing. Yeah, climbing you're 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 flying. You're flying. <laughs> and what, pe- what people don't know about you is that you used to be in a band called Tungsten Coil. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, wow, Tungsten Coil. So in short, um, Tungsten Coil started in 1994 in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And uh, that was probably the third band that I'd ever been in. I started, I so you should know, I started singing in uh, nightclubs in, in industrial gothic bands when I was 16 years old. Really? And uh, everyone everyone else in the band was like 21, 22, and here I am, the singer, the ba- uh, getting snuck into all these nightclubs. The baby, <laughs> the baby of the group. <laughs> the baby of the group, all of a sudden, who's like in with all these adults. It was great for me. Got to kind of grow up fast, and you know, I'm 16 years old, and I'm, I'm dating women, not <laughs> girls. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> It was cool. It's cool could be, let me tell you. And then, and, you know, all of a sudden I went from like high school kid, you know, who's not doing well in school to like, you know, local celebrity. It was kind of neat. Yeah. And then we moved to Austin in 95, a year later, and uh, played one show and it just took off, you know, and had a really long uh, career with Tungsten Coil, got to tour all over the place, had a backer for a while. So we were in buses for a while, you know, it was kind of, <laughs> really cool and then you know the 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 tide of music changes and you know new, new new kids end up in high school old kids graduate from high school and so the trends change so it was up and down but by the end of it you know we ended up we probably played south by southwest music festival multiple times three four times easily and then as a, as a spotlighting artist we ended up winning an austin music award for uh, best industrial a bunch of other small awards of different you know, regional stuff. And, you know, I, I have, it was great. It's so great that I have the tungsten coil logo tattooed on both of my arms. No, do you? <laughs> Forever. Cool. I yeah. Do. You, in 2008, you won the best, uh, best industrial, industrial yeah, band boy, award. That was a great, that was a great night. Um, man, it was just on fire there. Place was packed. And then I got up on stage and it's on TV. <laughs> I accept the award, <laughs> and at the end, I, I dropped the f bomb. <laughs> but you know, I, I, it was funny. I was reading, I was reading um, a review about that band, and they said that you guys could keep the, you could keep the audience riveted. Your band, Pe- people didn't so take we, their eyes off of you. We, we had a, we had a, a sort of secret sauce, if you will. Um, so we created an environment where, you know, coming to a show and partying your ass off and rocking out with the band was like encouraged. So like our crowds, one thing is we marketed heavy, heavily to women. 
So we had a large female turnout, and then then a ton of men would show up, you know, as well because we had all these women at our shows, and and we had a large gay crowd as well. Like we had this mix of people that just didn't make any sense. Everyone was partying their ass off, and then we did a lot of uh, theatrics on stage. Uh, really intense light shows back then that weren't a lot of bands weren't doing right. so it was a lot of it was it was a it was a show it wasn't just a band up there playing we put on large scale performances and and we rocked and we did it we did it hard and we did it well and we made no excuses well, so you know you were going to be paying attention if we were on stage well, that's or I was going to jump in the crowd <laughs> after you that's what they, <laughs> I'm sure you would have too <laughs> that, but that's what they were saying. They said that when when you guys got up on stage, the fans just stopped. Whatever whatever you guys were doing, their eyes were glued on you guys up on the stage. It was like you mesmerized well, you know, the audience. Well, we also believed in 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 doing an introduction. So, like we would do these really uh, building, atmospheric, musical, blooming intros so like it would start off with like a basic sound one person on stage and then they would build it up and then the next person would come in and build it up more on the next person and, and before like one note was ever spoken we were jamming on stage you know right from the very beginning so like the, the whole idea was to draw people in just like you described which is funny but that was the plan you 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 did it you guys were rocking and like i said <laughs> everyone was taught it seemed like Back in 2008, everybody was talking about you. It was wild. You know, it, it, it's a shame uh, that it ended when it did. Um, but a lot of things took place at that point. Like, well, here we are, sort of at the pinnacle, you know, at the peak, winning awards, you know, playing high-profile festivals. Things are good. An album that was doing well. And uh, just some things happened. On, on a personal note, you know, I had a relationship that went, sour uh my, my father uh committed suicide uh, um, i'm sorry just no oh, thank you yeah that was february 2nd 2007 and it it you know it messed me up in ways you could never expect and mm. then at the same same time i just had so many things happen to where at the point when i was in most position to lead and I wasn't in any position to do it. Uh, I was like spiraling out of control at that point. So we ended on a really high note perception, but inside, you know, I was, I was in the, the worst possible place I could be in. So I had, I had to stop it. I can imagine. That point. I can imagine. But like you said, the, the public view, you went out on a high note. It, it would have been, yeah, absolutely. It, it would have been much worse had you gone out like with your tail between your legs. You guys went out on you a know, high you're note. You're totally right. You went out on a high note. Well, People after, still know Tungsten Coil. You know, it's funny. I ran into uh, a DJ last night at a nightclub here in Dallas who's like, Tungsten Coil, right? You know, like, say, <laughs> it happens all the time. And, and you're right. It was good to go out like that uh, because, yeah, going out the other way. And considering how many years it had been, and I was the only consistent member in Tungsten Coil. Lots of different member changes. You know, bands are hard to keep together, but sure. I, you know, just kept going with it. But like, it, it, it probably should have fizzled out, but instead it, it grew, and so I was able to get out in a really good spot. You're right. I mean, it couldn't have gone much better on the on the surface level. You know, the legacy is there. Right. Exactly. It's like Kiss, the band Kiss. 
Yes. <laughs> I mean, my, not, not exactly. One of my favorites. Yeah. But, I mean, you had Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley. They were the two constants. Everything else changed, but they were the, still the two constants. And people still know Kiss to this day. Let's give a shout out. I love you, Paul Stanley. I always, always have. Uh, Kiss is like one of my first loves of music and always has been. And I'm one of those guys who loves Kiss during the 80s when they didn't have the makeup on and they were doing the glam metal, hair metal. I love those years. Did you? Did you that? Absolutely. I remember them during the 70s. <laughs> I love the 70s too. Yeah. They, were, they, were, they were great. They were. Kiss is just still great. They are. They, they, they truly are. I, I I love their concerts. I, I always did like their concerts. I went to Front Row Center last tour, and uh, it was like being a kid again. It was so awesome. They were. I'd still go to their concerts. <laughs> I, it's a little bit more difficult nowadays, but I'd still. But yeah, they're on the they're on the farewell tour, end of the road tour right now. So apparently, whatever city they come to, it's the last time they're going to be in that city. They say. They say. <laughs> how many? <laughs> how many times Several. have you heard the farewell tour for how many bands? I I think uh, yep. the Rolling Stones have had thirty-five farewell tours. Barbara Streisand like every year she has a farewell tour. <laughs> have you heard Paul Stanley's newest offering? No. Soul Station. No, I haven't. Oh honestly. wow! Paul Stanley doing Motown. Get out of here! It's great. Is it? I'm gonna have to check that out. Oh, it's awesome! It's so awesome. Just, just, just check it out, and then you can get back to me on it and say, "Yeah, wow, that is awesome," because it is like, wow. I'm so, I'm so, so lost in the '70s. Ever since Sirius Radio came out, I have, I have, I have a radio in my house from Sirius, and it's set on the '70s channel. In my car, it's set on the '70s. I, I'm still living in the '70s. Yeah, but you did come across my stuff. Uh, yes. Sounds like you like it. Well, I love you. I love your <laughs> stuff. <laughs> so there's there's some stuff out there, you know? Like Paul Stanley doing Motown, where I grew up. I mean, Detroit Rock City. Dude, it's cool. Yeah, definitely. Now, I want to ask you. I want to ask you how... Now, you're still making music. Now, I need you to explain this synthesia. Synesthesia. Synesthesia, I'm sorry. From what I understand... You're writing, you're writing music with color, with colors. So the, the best way, I, if I dial, dial it back to when as a kid, so I just assumed everybody was seeing what I was seeing. So basically my, there's different, from what I hear, there are different severity levels of synesthesia. Some people, it's as simple as when they hear a number, they see uh, uh, that number in a color. Like they'll see like nine and it's green. I don't quite understand that for me i think i'm i think i'm on the like maximum <laughs> scale apparently to where when i got diagnosed with it much much later than when i was a kid in my 20s is when someone a doctor figured out what i had going on but so i see complete uh full color three-dimensional moving pictures uh, as like a sort of a, a second sight behind what my eyes see is the best way I can say it. It's a separate reel or a separate vision running all the time. So like, even as we're having this conversation, it's happening. And, and, and so as a kid, you know, it's a horrible student, not only did I have synesthesia, but I was dyslexic or am dyslexic. <laughs> so I couldn't concentrate number one and I couldn't read well. So, you know, teachers just kind of wrote me off. <laughs> they didn't think they had like something's wrong with this kid. 
And, and so that really hurt me as a kid, you know, as going forward, I wasn't keeping up, you know, with anyone or my peers, my students. So, so like, when it, what I, what happened to me was I met a, a guy, I was working at, a, I think a catering hall when I was like 14 years old and I had a special work permit at 14 years old to work at this, this catering hall. Cause I just wanted to be out of the house. I didn't really like my family situation. And I met this guy named Ed, uh, who was 19 at the time. And he was this cool dude who like dressed cool, smoked cigarettes, looked cool and drove a Mustang. Right. Cool. And he was into electronic music and for whatever reason he, he would talk to me. He thought I was, you know, seemed like cool for a 14 year old or something. So he introduced me to like electronic music, to industrial music. And my, my mind went crazy. I'd never seen patterns like that. You know, I never, it was like a whole new world sort of turned on and, and it, and it turned out that he actually was a songwriter and he had, he had keyboards. He took me to his house, his basement in a Detroit area and showed me his music and how he created music on synthesizers. And I was like, can you show me how to use this stuff? So he, he taught me synthesis and how to sample and, and things like that. And, and then eventually I bought my own gear and he and I, we started that first band together that I ever had, you know, this, this guy who was like, you know, five, six years older than me who sort of in, introduced me to everything. And then I don't read music. I don't, really understand music theory well i mean i try to but it just doesn't my brain doesn't interpret information like that well uh, much like reading is hard for me uh, even though i can do it i gotta go really slow but like with synesthesia and music it was almost i don't want to say effortless because i had to learn the chops i had to learn the timing and you know things like that playing to a metronome but like it, it, it was just a natural fit to to harness this condition into this beautiful world of color and like take taking all this noise and stuff and and odd sounds and then sculpt them into this beautiful thing i call songs right <laughs> i guess now you said the severity of it don't that sounds like you you, you thought it was a problem uh it, well yeah it doesn't you know not knowing that I had a condition or two conditions for that matter. Um, it's really hard to focus. And, 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 and like when, when I'd be in a, in a, say like a, a test taking situation, right, man, if I, I couldn't get past hearing everyone breathing around me and their pencils on the Scantron cards and everything, I couldn't, I couldn't focus. I didn't realize what was happening. And then, and then as a kid, you, you know, you get scared, you know, you, 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 you're, you're worried about falling behind. You're, you're worried that you're not going to do as well as your friends. And then it's just like a nightmare trying to even do schoolwork. So like homework, I was like, forget that. I, I don't want to be at that building. I was there six hours today. I don't want to think about that place. So I hated school. So it was a real handicap and a gift, a gift and a curse at the same time, because I didn't know what was going on. Wow. At what age did you realize that you did have this? Or... Uh, I was in my 20s, my, my younger 20s. Uh, I was uh, my general doctors, and we, we just got to talking one day, and he knew that I was in a band. I was in Tungsten Coil, and he just asked me how I write music, and I sort of explained it. And he said, you ever heard of a condition called synesthesia? And then he sent me to a specialist uh, uh, who had dealt with, 
different things like this. And then he ran a bunch of tests on me and he's like, Oh gosh. Yeah. He goes, you are, you are like the, the poster child for synesthesia. And he, he would get all these weird little tests and everything. And, and he would like, you know, play different kinds of sounds and, and, and ask me what I was seeing and you could take a note. It was a really interesting experience. Um, I don't even remember that guy's name off the top of my head now, but uh, he, he was like, absolutely. And then he had me sit with a group of his peers who were studying synesthesia and probably ended up in some journals or something, <laughs> you know, I was in my twenties. I wasn't paying that close attention. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. So that's how I kind of found out my just general doctor asking me about music. And then it went from there. So you went all through grammar school and high school with this and it was never diagnosed. No, uh, it was never diagnosed. So sort of, sort of miserable experience for me. You know, when I think of academia and everything, I just, I just felt like the dumbest person in the world, you know, and then top it all off. So I told you I was 16 and, uh, playing in nightclubs and stuff like that. But, uh, I, I developed a condition, um, a cancerous condition at 16 years old called, uh, synovial chondrosarcoma, which is my synovium and my left knee was cancerous and, uh, basically spread like a wildfire. And one day I'm, you know, a normal functioning person, at least physically. Next thing you know, my knee is like this huge balloon of synovial fluid and then I go to all these different doctors and I became this like guinea pig and all these different surgeries and experimental treatments. And I pretty much lost out on 11th and 12th grade almost completely beyond everything I just told you. And then I almost lost my leg and my life. And I finally ended up at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester Hills, Minnesota and Dr. Sim there, uh, saved my life and did this experimental procedure where he removed my synovium and detached my entire insides of my leg and pulled it out and put it back together. And if not for that guy, uh, I don't know where I'd be, but that was on top of all this other crap going on. Imagine being 16, just started having things happen. Got this weird condition going on where you're horrible at school. You hate school. And then you get this rare form of cancer. It's like, just talk about smacks in the face. Holy crap. Excuse me. Excuse me. It was tough. <laughs> Holy smokes. You know, oh. go ahead. No, I'm just, I'm just trying to soak it all in. So you have it's, this synesthesia. You have, yeah. you have cancer in the knee. Yep. Now, when did you when did you actually lose your hearing? In your, in so that was many years later. Oh, um, oh that oh. would be. Thank God. Um, not thank God, be, but thank God. Well, you know, it's interesting, the stuff that we just described and the condition I had, the cancerous condition, um, you know, what it did do when I, when I finally fought through that stuff, um, which was just, you know, I mean, most of my 11th and 12th grade was spent on, on the couch sick, you know, right. uh, watching everyone else outside doing their stuff. And I'm just like, you know, but the thing was, I had all this time uh, on my hands all of a sudden. And that's really when I got serious about music and just, I, I, I just stayed in my room and just learned to use all the gear and just kept writing until it sounded good and sounded better with no idea what I was doing. No, no one teaching me anything. I just was angry and I was writing and it was really probably the best medicine, uh, which is why my music people say sounds unique. Um, it doesn't sound like, you know, other bands. Um, it's probably cause I just, 
created it in that darkness on my own, you know? And so obviously I'm not writing like happy go lucky stuff. Uh, but, but like it's got its own unique signature, um, because of all that time where I was sick, I didn't know if I was going to be alive, you know, much longer. And so that really is a, uh, motivating, um, I think I was trying to capture whatever was in my head in case I wasn't there for much longer. At least there'd be some sort of record that I existed. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So, sorry, I get a little emotional when I, when I, uh, when I think about that actually. And that's fine. That's, you know what, that, that's human. That's human. And I want to yeah, point. It was a rough time. But I want to point <laughs> out something for you. Right, like right now mm. where we're at, you were 16 years old and you had all this going on. Just forget about the synesthesia at the moment. Just the part with your knee, right? Cancer, the big C word. And you could have you could have just laid back and said, This is it, I'm done. I'm done. But instead you chose to take action, do something. Where most people a lot of people they're ready to throw a pity party, throw their hands up in the air and say, woe is me, and that's it. But instead, you, you, you took the initiative to do something and say, well, you know what? I'm going to let them know I was here. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going out without a fight, which is one of the reasons that you're doing so well now. So, so many people give up, and you're living proof that giving up isn't the way to go. You just keep plugging along, and that's what you did. You fought. You said, you know what? Well, I think, I think, I think a way to, to to coin that, if you will, is that, you know, you're you're gonna leave the planet anyway at some point. Mm -hmm. Don't know what point, but you're gonna leave anyway. So there's there's no point in, you know, giving up early, right? Um, because this is like the one time you got. As far as I know, this is it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so, plus I don't like being the victim. You know, I I I just I don't like feeling less you know and, and having handicaps at this point you know um i don't i don't like it i don't i don't we'll get into what it's going on now but i don't i don't like this existence the way it is it's not what i wanted but it's what i have so there's no point in you know crying about it uh you just gotta get get going get going now because you know it could get worse tomorrow and i'll be i'll be wishing it was as good as it was today exactly exactly i always say things can always be worse no matter what, because someone somewhere right now is wishing that they had your problems. Because it's totally true. One of my good friends, uh, uh, whose name I won't mention on the cast, but um, he's in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he 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 was a motocross rider as a kid, and I think he was like thirteen or something, and he got into an accident on motocross, and he's been he's my age, and he's been crippled ever since. You know, and anytime I want to feel feel bad for myself, I just think about my buddy, you know, and, uh, I'm like, well, I'm not in a wheelchair. It could be worse. And, you know, for him, he, he he's the same way with people who, you know, are, are blind, you know, exactly, <laughs> and, and things like that. Exactly. There's always somebody who's got it worse than you do. Exactly. And somebody's always got it worse than them. You know, so, That's right. so you have to look at, it. you know, I also say too, no one ever went blind by looking at things from the bright side. So, <laughs> you have to try and look at things That's from true, the bright man. side. You know, you just have to try. These people that just give up, I just, I feel bad for them. I really do. I feel well, bad for them. And well, that's what my dad did. 
I have a you know? cousin. I have a cousin that did it two years ago, myself. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm it, sorry to hear that. That's I don't never never no, easy. It's not, but you know what? I, I'm mad at him. I'm mad at him. Why? Why did you do it? But you know, I could comment on that briefly. Um, I've I've come to peace with my dad. You know, I mean, he he basically put a, a civil war rifle in his mouth and pulled the trigger. Jeez, I mean, not not pretty way of doing it. But you know, his life, his choice. And I think when we get mad at those people, it's because we wish they were still here, and we we selfishly want them here. But you know, everyone's got full privilege right and and to do whatever they want with the time you know they can cut their time short you know and i guess for me i'm like you know why am i mad at him when that's what he decided to do the reality is i just loved him even though we had a really crappy relationship as a kid but as an adult we became friends and uh you know i wish that he was here seeing me now i think he'd be really proud i think he'd, he'd love my wife they'd get along so well and you know he was always worried about me you know, rightfully so. I was a pretty crazy young man. I did a lot of risky <laughs> stuff, but like, you know, he missed out, but that was his choice. And, you know, at, at that point, you just got to think of it that way. In my opinion, it's just, you know, people right. can do what they want to do and it's okay. And just honor the, the greatness of whatever they were in your life. Oh, I, I, I understand that. I just get mad that you know, there was other things you could have done. You could have reached out at, I have I have Absolutely. a couple of buddies. I have a couple of buddies that did the same thing growing up, and yep. you just have so much that you could have done, and your life could eat. I don't know, but anyway, let's get off that my, subject. <laughs> my dad was gifted. You're right. My dad was gifted. Yes, uh, he was. He was a actor, accomplished theater actor, singer. There you uh, go. Could build anything. He could do it all, and he was a good looking, dude. So yeah, what a waste. Right. That's that's I, what I'm get getting that. at. That's what I'm getting at. What a waste. But, yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? But anyway, back to you. You're still here, and you're, you're, you're spiraling upwards. You're, I mean, you went, from, you went from a band, a rock star, to becoming a financial whiz. <laughs> and now That went well. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny you mention that. So, like, people are always, you know feeling like they, they don't have or they they focus on what they don't have or what someone tells them, you know, you need to qualify to do something. Let me, let me, let me just say one thing. When I got into the financial industry, you know, I, I barely graduated high school. I didn't go to college and I was in an industrial goth band for crying out loud. Not the kind of guy who manages retired people's portfolios. <laughs> um, I didn't listen to any of that crap. And all the people that were in the business who told me what I should be doing, all I did was do exactly the opposite of what they're doing. And that's how I beat everybody. That's how I became number one in all these different companies. And that's how I ended up starting my own company is by doing the opposite of what everyone else tells you. Because what they're telling you is they're trying to keep you down. They're they trying to keep to you beneath them. Don't listen to any of that. They're trying to stay better than you. That's right. Because there's always a bigger fish, but my, my point is, well, let the fish swim ahead of you and grab onto their tail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Go for the ride. Go for the ride. That's it. No, but yeah. you, I mean, so, you're doing something right. And you see, what I what I respect about you, you're, you could have sat back. Like I, I keep on saying this, but you could have sat back and said, 
I have a disability, you know? And you could have said, I'm going to collect Social Security and I'll just sit here and waste away. But you weren't going to do that. And you have that mindset. You're not going to do that. You're out there. You, you're, you're reaching for life. You're grabbing. You're grabbing for the ring. You want to keep going. And I don't see you stopping. I Put it this way. I know, you know, retirement's going to come up and you're going to still be working. <laughs> you're going to still be I'm in not- movies. You know, I'm not planning on stopping. Um, you know, I've got a lot to prove to myself, and and that 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 I can I can succeed beyond what I ever thought. If I just if I just focus on it, I know I can make things happen. And to get back to your your question about when I went when when did I go deaf and what happened? Mm-hmm. Well, it's about six years ago, and. Uh, it, it, it was, I was, I was running crazy in the financial industry and like just, you know, kicking butt and taking names and doing well. And, but I was going at such a pace that I wasn't really taking care of my health. Uh, I was celebrating a lot, you know, eating steaks and drinking bourbons and, you know, going, to, going to resort trips and all this kind of crap. And just kind of, I didn't have any real stability in my life you know as far as health wise and all that so i was in a real bad situation i think it also contributed to what happened so one day i'm just sitting there with my wife and my brother and it just i felt this immense pressure in my head all of a sudden and then just like a snap of a finger everything went bad and i felt my hearing in my right ear completely like go distorted to decrease extensively in this weird sound like a which it still does 24 hours a day seven days a week sometimes coupled with extreme tinnitus and it's a nightmare um and when you talk about like i refuse to give up well uh, not knowingly at the time like when it first happened everything flipped upside down i couldn't even think straight because of the synesthesia this beautiful pictures that I had in the back of my eye, my mind, the second vision that allows me to make music and see things in a very different way. All of a sudden, all the pictures that were going on and being created got completely distorted. And this gift that I don't want to say I took for granted, but I felt would always be there. All of a sudden, like the rug got pulled out from under me and I couldn't, I couldn't even put like headphones on and sing. Everything sounded so crazy. I couldn't listen to music, and I went into this pity party for a, a while. I uh, started drinking even more, and just feeling depressed. Like you know, it's over. You know, I'll I, I'll never write music again. And I mean, just saying that right now and, and hearing myself say it, it's depressing just thinking about it because of how that felt. And and there was no support system around me me my wife was there and she was trying to be supportive but i didn't want to hear anything from anybody you know like you don't know what's going on with me and most people like well you're still physically you look good everything's fine i'm like you have no idea the chaos that's going on in my head right now and 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 then the feeling the fear and everything that i was taking for granted just was gone i couldn't do it so really you know two three years went by of me just not happy not writing music i kept trying to overcome it but i couldn't i couldn't get it to work it's hard to explain but i just couldn't get it to work and so 
no matter what I, I was just, I would fail. So like over and over, like I'm a guy who succeeds and here I am failing over and over again. And it's something I feel like I should be able to get around. And why am I feeling sorry for myself? And just, and then one day when it, when, just when you think it couldn't get any worse, you know, it really sort of just peaked where I'm like, all right, forget it. I'm done. And then all of a sudden, after I made that decision that I'm done, like, I don't know how much time went by, a few weeks, maybe a couple of months. All of a sudden I'm like, I started, my body started, started to just sort of acclimate. Uh, my brain started to acclimate to where sometimes I could not all of a sudden not be paying attention to all that crazy noise on the right side of my head. Mm -hmm. um, and then I started looking, I just decided to look for ways around and I started to find different pieces of software and technology and tools that allowed me to visually see the sound and see the stereo field and, and sort of, it started getting me curious. And so then all of a sudden I decided hell or high water, I'm going to write music again. I don't care how many times I fail. I don't care. I'm going to figure it out. And, and that's just the way it's going to be. And so there was a number of failures again, <laughs> to string it out for a few more years. But uh, last year, um, when Chance Gibbs called me about uh, Amityville Cult, um, I had been dabbling. So I don't know. All of a sudden, it came together. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do some acting. And then he's, and then we're talking about music. And he's like, do you want to write a song for this film? And the back of my mind is like, no, that's going to be embarrassing. But the front of my mind said yes. So then I had no choice. I had no, no excuses I could make because I verbally said I was going to do it. I made a contract, a commitment, and that means something to me. So then it just all focused in. I, I called in a friend of mine uh, who had done some uh, production work with me back in the day. He did live sound for Tungsten Coil. Uh, he got involved with me, and he was real helpful. And together we figured out a system, tools, and technology where I could, you know, fake it till I make it. And uh, that is how I'm here doing it now. Again, even though it's not the same, I, I, I don't. I, I miss the way I used to hear music. It was a gift, but I've managed to make it work, even with all this handicap scenario, to where. I'm, I am enjoying it again. Uh, I do feel honored uh, to be doing it again. Uh, it, it's like it's a different sort of a gift. And now the weird thing is I think I'm writing the best music I've ever written because I'm not doing it to be cool. I'm not doing it to be a singer in a band and, and, and get chicks. Yeah. You know, I'm not you know, it's not about that now. Now, now it's, it's a different symbiotic relationship to the music to one that's even better than I ever thought. Like my, 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 my relationship with music now is on a different plane. Well, it's something I never knew existed. Whatever it is, thank God for the rest of us because I'm telling you, there's one song, this darkness never lies. This is, it's unbelievable. However you put it together, however you put that together, it's unbelievable. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I can't wait for you to hear the next one and the next one. I've yeah. got like 14 songs, about 95% done. So I'm just going to keep releasing singles, hopefully placing them in movies and just keep going and then keep doing music videos. And then I just scored a short film recently. So it's my first score. That went really well. I want to do scores in bigger films. And, and now I'm, I'm actually writing a script that's close to done for a short film uh, that I'm going to star in, direct, do the score, do it all, basically. And I hope to have that released next year as well. And I'm going to prove to the world 
that you can do whatever you want to do within the limits of what your capabilities are, but you can do whatever you want to do and don't let anybody, you know, tell you different. Well, you're because, living, uh, you're living proof that, that you have obstacles in front of you, like anyone else with a disability, you have obstacles, but all you have to do is look at it and figure out a way to get around it, over it, under it, whatever, but you can bypass it if you put your mind to it. It's, like, it's true. And, and you got to be willing to take the hits. Exactly. I mean, it's not been easy. It's a struggle every day. Every time I sit down and I sit in the middle of a, if I throw a pair of headphones on or I sit in the middle of my stereo speakers, my my studio monitors, it's depressing. It, you know, you just want that right ear to, to just go back and dial in. And it's a lot to deal with because, you know, when you're, when you're trying to like mix something, you know, I have to turn my head uh, to the side. So my left ear is in the center of the speakers just to get a rough idea. And the sad reality is I can't master, do the final mastering myself. I have to have, uh, my friend comes and does it with me, the one who helped me get this all going. But you know what? That's life. In the that, end, I'm glad I have someone who can help me master in the end. And, exactly. Uh, get it done. Exactly. <laughs> it, you're getting it done. You're, you're, you're going around the obstacle. And that's what pe that's right. people have to realize. You know, you have a disability. All right, so... You overcome it. You, whatever way you have to do it to overcome it, you overcome it. You keep pushing on, and you're you're a prime example. You're a master of that. You've mastered writing music again. You've mastered making movies. You've mastered uh, acting, producing, directing. I, like I said, I'm in awe of you. You <laughs> and see, you're I the, appreciate that. <laughs> you're the type of person that we need that that people have to hear well, that's why i i stay away from people i've i've had people come to me and say jimmy i want to tell my story and i listen to their story and they write it down and and all they tell me is the horrors you know what you want to hear horror everyone has a horror story everybody True. has a horror story about that but nobody wants to hear it because everyone knows their own horror story <laughs> you know what i mean like your well, story? You know, it's interesting. It's interesting you say that because, like, the, the, my kind of underlying topic, you know, and, and, and like when you write a song, you know, you have your idea what you want to convey. But the way I write, you know, I use a lot of like metaphorically spoken type scenarios because the idea is I want people to understand where I'm coming from, but I also just want them to interpret you know, whatever their mind gets from it. But my underlying message really is about, you know, life, life is short and, and you don't know when it's going to end. So get busy living your life and stop letting fear run it. Stop lying to yourself. Like darkness never lies is me telling the truth about the lies that people tell to themselves. And all those lies are based on fear and, and fear is really that little voice inside your head. And I think people misinterpret it. It's not, it's not fear is not telling you, Oh, stop. It's telling you, Hey, this moment is important. You need to pay attention and you need to interpret what it is and you need to go forward and go through it. Fear is not about, Oh my God. And run fight or flight. Fear is like, wake up fool. Ex you need to go forward through this. Exactly. Exactly. It's like those people that say you only live once. No, you only die once. You live every day. <laughs> That's right. You know? <laughs> That's true. But, you know, it's like I, I, I started skydiving the last couple of years. And uh, 
you know, you got everyone around you. You're, well, you're, you're out of your perfectly your, good plane. You're out you of your I mind. Out of a perfectly good plane. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it's like, I could sideline for you. I'll tell you. Have you skydived before? Ming? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> no. So, so let, let me make this a clear statement. Like, I think everyone should, and here's why. I, I am afraid of heights, but I've always liked doing extreme things and overcoming the fear. Mm-hmm. But, but skydiving was truly the first genuine, all-encompassing, full commitment to letting go. Like when we when we jumped out of that plane, it was a tandem jump first time I did it, and I remember it's like split seconds, but like you know you you do like a somersault, and for a moment you see the belly of the plane, <laughs> yeah. like you're falling from it, and then and then your mind is like, okay, I have jumped, I have made a decision, and there is no turning back. And what my mind did was like, well, great, who gives a damn? I'm a bird, and you're falling at 200 miles an hour. It is the most amazing experience to just let go and let it be. And people always say, well, you could die doing, the, doing that. I'm like, well, you could die doing anything. It's a lot safer than driving. But what if your last moment on earth was flying like a bird? Is that better than long-term care? <laughs> yes, it is. What if your last moment on <laughs> earth is splatting into the ground? <laughs> Yeah, but you wouldn't even know that. It would just be like, but like I would think about like having worked with retired retired people in the financial industry so often, and watching them age out, and then being there with their families because I was the one managing their estates. Um, I mean, I say take as many risks as you can it, because when you get through them, it's amazing. And and if that were your last moment on earth, at least you were doing something amazing. That's the way I think about it. Well, I I, I have a saying. If at first you don't succeed, forget skydiving. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. About six months go by and I got to go jump again. It's like I need to, to refill my batteries. <laughs> I have a pretty high back deck if you'd like to jump off of that. <laughs> <laughs> Not high enough. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Eric. You're crazy. <laughs> You know, cra- craziness is a relative concept, my friend. See, a, a <laughs> madman or a gen- genius uses madness constructively, and a madman uses his genius destructively. But it's all relative, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like the belly of a plane while it's up in the air. <laughs> oh my. I felt the most at peace I had felt in a while when I saw that. <laughs> Good. I don't know. Good. Write it down for me <laughs> next time. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh my God! Oh, this has been great. This has really been great. I, like I said, I'm in awe of you. You know, forget all all the other stuff that you've accomplished. That's great. But what what really really uh, makes me feel good about you is that you've had all this happen to you in your life. You know, forget the good stuff like the producing and the directing, but all this other stuff, the cancer in the leg. Losing your hearing, the synthesthesia, synthesthesia, all of this has happened to you, but you haven't let it stop you. You, you, You've found ways to to conquer it, get around it, get over it, get under it, and you just continue to plug on. And and you're successful. And to me, that, that means more than anything else. And I 
I congratulate you on that. I, I really well, do. I, I, I sincerely appreciate that, and and I I even more so appreciate the um, opportunity uh, to talk about it, even if just briefly, because you know, I think you know, as a kid, my, you know, I didn't really have a good family situation. That's the easiest way to say it. And uh, then all these shitty things happen, pardon my language. Um, but, you know, those are the things that gave me the tools. Um, you know, I had to figure it all out on my own, basically. That's, that's a fact, you know. Um, so, it, which is scary as a kid. It's scary as an adult, I mean. But as a kid, it's terrifying. And, you know, I felt so alone most of my childhood. But then at the same time, that was the best school uh, uh, the school of, of hard knocks in life was all of that. So if I hadn't had all that stuff happen at such a young age, um, you know, thinking I was going to be dead before I got through high school and everything else. And if not for the Mayo Clinic, I would have been, but the reality is that is the best education I could have possibly had because like, I, I absolutely wholeheartedly refuse to fail. And I, and it doesn't mean I don't fail along the way, but I mean, I, I refuse to give up is maybe a better term. And each failure is just another notch or a step forward up that ladder or hill or mountain you're trying to climb. So, and I think that's something that people need to understand, you know, because it's easy to get caught up in your own garbage and, and, you know, pity yourself. And, you know, and you, you can do that at first because you need to go through the cycle of grief. And if you lose something, you know, like your hearing uh, and, and so forth, well, you have to go through the grief. And, I am pretty good at doing that too. Like when something happens, you know, I'm a real emotional sensitive guy. So if something bad happens, you know, I go through it head first. But what I've learned now is, you know, um, the darkness, if you will, a term I go to often, which is multi multifaceted within the darkest of times. If you go through those darkest of times, the, the, the most beautiful, brightest glowing light will come out of them. But people fear the darkness, and I think there's a lot to learn from the darkness. And that way, your moments in the sun are, are going to be, you'll be more grateful for them because you took the time to fight through the darkness, then the light shall shine upon you. That's beautiful. That's excellent, actually. Well, it's just the way I see it. That, that's a great way to see it. You have to go, well, you have to go through the storm to see the sun. That's just a beautiful way to look at it. Well, you know, you you see this constant message on, you know, television, the internet, media, all these people pretending everything's all right all the time and how great their lives are. Yeah. There's no value in that. No. <laughs> it's it's bull. <laughs> it's bull. And and if you want to try to appear that way, then you've got the darkest stuff inside of you that you're running from, and that's a that's a that's a no end a dead end road, you know. Now there's one thing like, one of the thing I do want to ask you about. And yeah. you, you said I think it was six years ago or five years ago, you decided to go yeah. vegan. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. Um, so yes, I did make a conscientious choice and, and what's, what led me to it was a number of things. I'm a big animal lover, or at least I was professed to be one, but I really realized what that meant later that I wasn't, but I was in the financial industry doing all these seminars. I did, you know, probably about six to eight seminars a month, uh, at high end steakhouses, you know, explaining what my company was and how, you know, why you should be my, a client of, of my company, which is called Innovative Estate Management, still an active company here in Dallas. I sold it uh, to my business partner, but I was at all these high-end steakhouses, 
you know, eating the good, eating the good food, right? Living the good life. And I look around these steakhouses and they're all dimly lit, dark places with overweight people. And most people are not friendly or nice to you. And, and it was this weird feeling. And I, I, I was Mr. Roberto, you know, CEO of this company. So when people, my waiters would come to wait on me and stuff, they'd be like, Mr. Roberto, how would you like your steak cooked today? And me being the jerk that I was at that point in time, who was full of himself probably, was like, you know, just walk it by a candle and we're good. <laughs> Meaning like I'm, I'm some kind of a badass because I eat, you know, rare steaks, you know. And it's probably the most unhealthy I was. And one day it, it, I just started, I started eating like, thinking about eating organic food and learning about chemicals that are in all the products we put on our skin and things like that. So it started with eliminating chemicals, going organic. I started becoming a research buff. I wanted to learn. So once I started to learn everything I was putting into my body, it, it was like, whoa. And so then the vegan thing was just a natural progression. One for health, uh, uh, two for, I, I'm supposedly an animal lover, but here I am eating animals. What am I doing? But then I learned you don't need animals or animal products. In fact, they're worse for you and you can derive any taste or any nutritional value you want outside of there. So long and short, when I went this route, you know, not only did I get become uber healthy and like my aging rate slowed down so much, like people always ask me like, God, how are you, how are you not aging like the rest of us? And I used to just joke and say I'm a vampire, but no, it's really because <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> I always say that still, but it's really because I, be, I became a vegan and I started eating organic foods and I, I started learning about the products I was putting on my, in, in and out of, and on top of my body. But now, like I'm at my high school weight without any effort. I never have to think about things that people complain about. My doctor says my numbers look like I'm a 16 year old, which is cool. Really? And my 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 impact on the planet is different you know i'm real big into you know not creating a large carbon footprint uh not making a lot of trash not you know i'm, I'm really big into all these things and, and being a vegan i didn't people are like oh i don't want to lose like i love bacon i don't want to lose whatever i gained so much from from becoming a vegan and going down this route um I feel so much better physically, mentally. My mind is clearer. I can deal with my handicap, my disability better. My mind is a better place. And, you know, my goal, honestly, I'll put it out here for whoever's listening. My goal is to build my name up as big as I can. As, as, as many people know me as possible so I can use that platform to, to lead others down this path. Uh, because not only is it good for you, but it's good for the planet. And if we don't start making some changes real freaking soon, we're going to run out of time and then nothing will matter. And I don't have kids. I don't have a horse in this race. I'm not going to reproduce. We don't need two Eric's on the planet, <laughs> but I, I feel like the, there's not a good enough spokesperson for the movement. And I think I could be that guy. Well, you sound like it. You sound like it. And like we, we discussed, I'd like to have you back on, uh, and we can run the vegan possibility with you. I would love it. I, we talked about that a little bit, and I'll put it out there, you know, uh, record it on the podcast, you know. Uh, tap me when you're ready, and I, I am ready because it's, it's, it's more important now than it's ever been. Uh, we're we're reach, reaching a point to where there's no point, the point of no return. 
you know, some say 2050, some say 2045. If we haven't really significantly changed what we're doing, it's not, it's not going to be reversible. So I, I'm all about it. I'm committed and I will jump on with I'll jump on this with you, brother. The moment you let me know. Well, we got a couple of weeks to the new year and we'll start with the new year. Perfect. So, but Eric, I w- I really want to thank you for being here today. I mean, like I said, you're, you're my new hero. This, this here, the, this, I can't get over this one song. I, I know it, it, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. Believe me when I tell you. This one song, This Darkness Never Lies, has touched me in a way. When I tell you, I've sent it out to over a thousand people, and I've gotten, you know, people, feedback from people who said the same thing. It, it, it's, wow. it's just the song that draws you into it. It's, a, it's like a vacuum. It draws you in. And I'm going to put this out on the group page. I'll put out the link again. And I want people to listen to it. I'm going to put it out on the podcast page. Now, all the links that I'm talking about. Now, I want everyone to know on the show notes for this podcast, all of Eric's links are going to be in the show notes. His Facebook page, his Instagram page, his IM, what is it, IBMD page? Uh, IMDB. IMDB. I'm sorry. All of those okay. pages are going to be on his, his biography page. <laughs> You're going to have so many links about Eric Oberto on this page. Believe me, read every one of them and take a look at his picture. Tell me this guy does not look like a vampire. <laughs> he, he, he looks like a vampire. Well, you know, all those links too, if, if everyone could follow me uh, and, and, and like and interact with me, you know, I'm, I'm available. Uh, I do, I do reach out to every single person uh, that responds to me, even if I'm inundated, I still do it. And uh, I'd love to, uh, you know, get to know everyone who wants to reach out and, and, and I'm going to keep going. My commitment is I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep making as, as much great art as I can. And the fact that I'm even doing it right now is no short, nothing short of a miracle. So I'm going to try to share that, that miracle with as many people as I can. I'm going to ask, do me that favor. Follow him on all his pages. Write to him. He, he loves to get email. And he'll answer you. And believe me, you, you may feel like you're getting an answer from beyond. I'm telling you. He <laughs> looks like a vampire, I'm telling you. But he's a talented vampire. Trust me. But no, he's a talent. And listen to his music. And if you get a chance... Well, I'm going to put up a link for Tungsten Coil and listen to the, listen to his music. He's got a song. There's a song, Pray to Me. And it's a it's a it's a wild song. You have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, you have to check out that song also. I was listening to that this afternoon. But you have to check that song out as well from Tungsten Coil. And that's that's Eric singing on the that one. Coil days were were great days. Um as well and so yeah the fact that you went back did you listen to uh time no i didn't that... yeah take a look at that one like they're they're on any you know spotify youtube whatever but listen to time time is a. Uh, it's about running out of time and oh. um something i understand well but it's a very unique sounding song and there's also a song that i i wrote um when my father committed suicide, uh, called dust. And it's, it's a, it's a piano ballad, rock, piano, rock ballad, industrial song somehow, but 
it's very heartfelt and you can I, I tried to encompass and capture the whatever my dad might have been feeling at that time so tungsten coil was a very expressive uh, time frame as well for me in a very different way but like time and uh dust i would start there and uh let me know what you think of those jimmy definitely definitely those are those are tungsten coil songs time yeah, and they dust? are they're off that last album alpha and omega the one that won the austin music award and oh, okay stuff, that, that same album okay definitely i just i had seen the pray to me came up as a single on youtube and i was like let me check that out and it was like wow like yeah it, that that was in my 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 uh, lead singer uh like pray to me p-r-e-y right my, my hunting days if you will hunting and gathering we'll call it before i was married <laughs> <laughs> oh that was one thing one more thing i wanted to ask you about the vegan is is your wife also a vegan so my wife is almost a vegan she is vegetarian and eats vegan with me most of the time once in a while she'll eat like eggs or something like that mm -hmm. which you know I'm, I'm not i'm not doing anything like that but you know sometimes she will but as a regular practice most of the time she's eating vegan and is, and is trying to go that direction completely but she, so she's pretty darn close sure <laughs> sure no hey everyone's got to go at their own speed and what they feel they can do that you know exactly the, you know what's cool though and for couples um we, we cook together all the time uh -huh. and that's actually really brought us close together you know learning this whole path and like we don't even eat out a lot now we eat home uh we make better food at home but we know it's healthier and uh sustainably you know sustainable foods and, and good foods healthy foods without any animals involved and you know save you save a ton of money exactly it's great it's a great lifestyle it really is well since the pandemic i think a lot of people eat home <laughs> a lot of people eat home anymore yeah you know Yep, and you can turn home into a healthy place because uh, you know what you put in your body, you get out. You know, you get the dividends are endless. Exactly, exactly. Well, Eric, this has been great, and I definitely we're definitely going to speak again, several times, several hundred times. But this has been great. <laughs> I want to thank you so much for sharing such personal information. You know about the disability and stuff. I'm sure you made an impact on some people here and about your vegan lifestyle and all this all this phenomenal stuff you're doing i, I mean i wish you luck with everything here the, between the acting you know, I, the producing I, the directing the singing the writing i i'm i'm trying sometimes it's uh you know wow there's so much to do but you know what it's a good problem to have and so i wanted to thank you for having me on great oh. experience uh, i'm always happy to just be transparent and, and and tell the story and uh let's hope that i can write uh several more exciting chapters to have more to talk about but i look forward to us uh speaking more in the future as well and uh, i think we just started a pretty great little relationship here I, that could turn into some great things i think i think we have I, I i think we really have all right eric have a nice holiday you and your family you and your wife and we'll talk again real soon well thanks and you do the same and i uh, wish nothing but great things for you in the holiday season you as well I want to thank Eric for being here with us today. And, you know, he showed us 
Just because you have a disability, it doesn't have to stop you. It may slow you down a little bit, but it doesn't have to stop you. He's living proof. So take what he said and apply it to your own life. Don't let things stop you. He didn't let the hearing loss stop him, and he's making music, and he's making music better than he ever did. So give it a shot. Follow his example. Hey, I want to thank you for being here today, too. And remember this. No matter what, things can always be worse. Right now, someone somewhere is wishing that they were in your position. So things can always be worse. Remember that, my friends. Hey, thanks again for being here today. And I want to give you a little hint, a little tidbit here. We have exciting news coming up for the new year. And it involves Eric Alberto and this podcast. So keep on listening and you'll hear the big news very shortly. And we have some more exciting guests coming up before the end of the year. So stick around. Keep on checking the podcast out. Watch for those apple slices coming out. Because they're going to tell you who's coming up. So have a great one, my friends. Thanks again for being here today. Thanks again, Eric. And we'll talk to you real soon. Take care, my friends. Thanks for listening to An Apple a Day with Jimmy Apple. Your gateway to a happy, healthy life. Join our community at www.famousapple.com. See you next time.